Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, I'm going to start on a bit of a somber note because 2021, man, Tommy Lasorda passed away. Now, for folks who aren't baseball fans, Tommy Lasorda won two World Series championships with the Dodgers. He led the United States baseball team in the Olympics to a gold medal. So, like, Tommy Lasorda is a big part of my childhood. Growing up, rooting for both the Yankees and the Mets. He, like, knocked out the Mets in one of the years in 1988. But let me tell you, one of the reasons why I remember Tommy Lasorda is because of his baseball game. Tommy Lasorda baseball was one of the first games I got for Sega Genesis. So now the question I want to throw at you, Mr. Ainsworth. (laughs) Like, a, a favorite sports video game from your childhood. I was a big NCAA football fan back when back when the NCAA had their own football game. And so that was, I guess, my thing. Because you could run triple option. If I associate a name with that, it'd probably actually be like Steve Slayton and Pat White in West Virginia. That was a really fun group to play with. <laughs> I, 
obviously Vince Young and Texas Longhorns were a fun team to play with there for yeah, a second. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but in Austin, that so I was in Austin at the time by the time that one came out. And like that one would have felt like cheating because everyone knew that team was really good. So my, my sneaky pick was always West Virginia. Let me ask, did you ever pick that team and run triple option? Because Vince Young running triple option, that would have been interesting too, right? <laughs> well one of the i think it was the same whatever the year that was oh five or oh six when it must have been oh five but the you could like change what playbook you were and i played west virginia so much that i ended up stealing western whoever i was playing with had first of all i had to have a running quarterback <laughs> and then i always stole their playbook because i just knew where stuff was within it no um, absolutely running quarterbacks as a defensive coordinator i know how tough that is um <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into our gold stars and detentions i will i'll start my first gold star goes to the boston red Sox, and i just told you i rooted for the yankees and the mets growing up so you know how reluctant this gold star is. But the Boston Red Sox did something historic. They hired Bianca Smith to be a coach in their minor league system. Bianca Smith will become the first African-American woman to be a coach in the major leagues. Awesome for Boston to look at her resume. Like her resume is actually pretty darn impressive. And she's actually been coaching at the collegiate level. She's done internships in the front offices for Major League Baseball teams. Like if you just look at her resume, this is not a publicity stunt. This is... This woman deserves an opportunity. So shout out to the Boston Red Sox for having some foresight and some vision in their hire of Bianca Smith. Mr. Ainsworth, what's your first gold star, sir? My first gold star is going to go to the Atlanta Dream. I guess the Atlanta Dream didn't play any games this week, but they had a pretty big win on Tuesday. (laughs) And so for those who don't know, the Atlanta Dream are owned by Kelly Leffler. Yes, that's the same Kelly Leffler that just lost a Senate race. The Atlanta Dream have basically been advocating on behalf of her opponent, Raphael Warnock, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock, I should say, since the summer. Kelly Leffler came out against Black Lives Matter protests and the Breonna Taylor story and things like that, which is obviously very near and dear to the WNBA. We can talk about the WNBA being a very socially active league. We, we can talk about that a lot. We do entire podcast episodes about all different things to do if you like. But <laughs> I think we may have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go back in the catalog, yeah. But anyway, the Atlanta Dream, that's very literally protesting against their owner. That's like going up against your boss and helping change Atlanta and change the state of Georgia and in a lot of ways the Senate and potentially the next four years of this country, right? And so shout out to Atlanta Dream for taking a stand and a powerful one, even if it means saying no to your boss. Like Kelly Leffler took a loss in that Senate race, but I found out this week that she just became a billionaire. So, you know, I mean, she'll bounce back. Um, (laughs) My next gold star. Okay, so this is another reluctant gold star because when we talk about teams, the opposite of however we talk about them happens to them. If we say that they are good, they become bad. If we say they are bad, they become good. So now my goal starts to the New York Knicks, and I know this is going to come back to bite me, but the way I figure, even if the Knicks start doing bad, that just means that we have a shot at Kay Cunningham. So, shout out to the New York Knicks who have started 5-4. and four. We have a winning record. We look competitive. We actually look like a decent NBA basketball team. Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. Julius Randle, MVP. Because the Knicks are awful. The fact that we look representative is amazing. So, gold star to the Knicks. Go New York, go New York, go. Well, and I really like watching their kid Julius Randle, too. He's, he's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, Dallas kid. <laughs> my next gold star are going to go to a pair of NBA players in a similar vein as my Atlanta Dream comment. I'm going to go to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I've becoming slowly obsessed with Jalen Brown, if you, you'll be able to tell a lot more of course this podcast. He has to be the most interesting person in the NBA, but more importantly, on Wednesday, in light of all the 
what happened. Obviously, you're talking to two history teachers who listen to this podcast, and so we were very invested in having to teach and relay and talk with children about all the events of Wednesday. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, unprovoked, unwhatever, went out and made a very concrete, sound statement after the game, talking about how just disgusted, I guess is the right phrase, but just their initial reactions to watching throughout the day Wednesday. Again, that's two guys that are 23 years old-ish, you know, 23, 24, and, you know, very, very open and strong and, you know, the faces of a franchise in Boston. And, you know, Boston's got its own issues with a lot of uh, <laughs> social justice issues that might not mesh with Jalen and J- uh, Jason. But to come on talk was very, very strong, and it's good to have you know, athletic role models like that you can point your kids to. No, absolutely. Uh, one, Just one point on the D.C. Capitol stuff. And this was a tweet that I saw. And I think that many of the athletes would express a similar sentiment. When, when black people look at what happened in the Capitol, it's not that we want you to shoot them the way that you shoot us. It's we don't want you to shoot us the same way you did not shoot them. And right. I'll leave it at that. My gold star, final one, is going to go to... Bradley Beal and Steph Curry, both of whom joined the 60-point club, which is very difficult, people. It is hard (laughs) to score 60 points in an NBA game. Uh, Steph Curry hit his career high, 62. Bradley Beal scored 60 points this week. These guys have been getting dinged because of their team's performance to start the season. And I love that they just came out and reminded people that they can ball. Like, Steph Curry reminds people, I'm a two-time MVP. I got rings. Bradley Beal reminds people, I should be on every stinking all-star team that the NBA has because I can ball. So, shout out to Bradley Beal and Steph Curry for just reminding folks that they are amazing at the basketball. <laughs> My first attention is going to go to Lincoln Riley. Earlier this week, Devontae Smith won the Heisman. We'll be talking some Heisman fun stuff later this podcast. But in a not-so-fun, I don't. I hope he didn't mean it like this, comment, Lincoln <laughs> Riley tweeted out that it was really great to see Devontae Smith win the Heisman after sticking it out at Alabama. And how in a, in a, something about like in a world where so many people leave and find the easy way out and so on, it was good to see a guy stick it out at one school. And I think that I mostly have a problem with this because in Lincoln Riley's four years at Oklahoma, he's had three different transfer quarterbacks come in and play, and I think that's been very (laughs) instrumental to his success (laughs) considering that the year he doesn't make the college football playoff is the one year he doesn't have one of those three guys. I I just, I think that Lincoln Riley is not really in a position to be judging kids on what their path is, considering he's capitalizing on kids that took a very different path than Devontae Smith. Lincoln Riley needs to probably look in the mirror a little bit, so I'm going to sit him down in detention and say, figure out what you're trying to say there, because you didn't say it right. Dear Mr. Kettle, you're black. Sincerely, the pop. Um, <laughs> my first attention goes to the whole situation around Markel Fultz. So Markel Fultz this week tore his ACL. He's going to miss the rest of the season. Orlando got off to a great start. Markel Fultz has been playing incredibly well since he was moved from the Philadelphia 76ers to Orlando. He got a contract extension this summer. Just when it seems like things are going to turn around for him, this and i ain't listen 2021 has not gotten off to a great start the same way that 2020 just was off i saw a uh, post on social media mr ainsworth and it was like <laughs> i've done the seven day free trial for 2021 and i would just like to return it like that's how i'm feeling <laughs> that's how i'm feeling um with the whole markel fault situation it's it just sucks because this it's he's a young kid and this is his dream and his dream just hasn't gone the way that anyone would want it to go for him so just attention to that whole situation. Well, and I would add that like in Orlando, it kind of looked like he was turning it around. Like it looked like after a rough start, he was finally back to looking like a top tier pick and playing very well. And it just, it just sucked. What's your next attention, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm going to Myers Leonard. So Myers <laughs> Leonard decided <laughs> amidst all of the chaos of Tuesday and Wednesday 
and Chaos, I think, is putting it lightly, that he's going to tweet out a picture of him standing during the national anthem when his teammates were kneeling and write about all these things he stood for, which included some good social justice causes. I don't mean to say that he is, like, this negative person about social justice. I just mostly want to say, read the room, man. Like, that no one <laughs> no one wanted to hear you talk about standing for the anthem on Wednesday. Like, that was not the day. That was not the time. That was, Like, someone's got to get on a hold of your social media accounts, get your agent, hire somebody. I don't care. Like, you need to figure out what you're doing when you do that it's a great lesson that we try to teach to our middle schoolers like time and place matter time and place <laughs> matter you know what i'm saying Myers Leonard didn't get that lesson but he didn't have us as history teachers my my next attention goes to nick saban now friends nick saban is about to lead his team in the national championship on monday we report we record this podcast on a sunday so that is tomorrow and good luck to alabama i think that they're going to beat ohio state we'll see what happens the detention has nothing to do with any of that Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He's accepted the job at the University of Texas. Now, there's probably a whole detention situation in there somewhere. But (laughs) Nick Saban now has to get a new offensive coordinator. He's considering Adam Gase. Adam Gase. As in the former Jets head coach who just got canned, who really did everything wrong with the Jets. There was nothing Adam Gase got right. And the reality is, Adam Gase has had two head coaching opportunities in the NFL. And proven he knows nothing about offense. Literally, his only offensive success came when Peyton Manning was his quarterback. And we know that Peyton Manning is really the offensive coordinator when Peyton Manning is the quarterback. So Adam Gase, I don't even understand that. Incidentally, Nick Saban should go get Tom Herman to go be his offensive coordinator. Legitimately, yeah. That's who he should go get. So that's my detention. Nick Saban, don't even consider Adam Gase. But this could become a gold star if you go get Tom Herman. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like, is this just another challenge for Saban? Like he's just rehabbing coaches' careers as a stop through? He's done that. Mike Loxley. Right, uh, right. Uh, Lane Kiffin, he he does that, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. This is not the guy to rehab. <laughs> that's that's the deal, <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth. My final detention, and I know you're gonna yell at me because you wrote the story for Belly Up about Kyrie Irving, and maybe we should have a little bit more sensitivity around him not playing this week for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't have a problem with Kyrie Irving not playing. I have a problem with Kyrie Irving not telling Steve Nash that he wasn't going to play. <laughs> like, you should tell your head coach that you're not playing. Literally, a text message goes out, so everyone on the team who's a player knows that Kyrie Irving's not going to play. Apparently, Steve Nash is not a part of that particular text group, <laughs> and you should probably add him. I think that that's fair. Like, at or maybe just have the group that has the coaches in it and the group that has the players in it and send the text to both group if you're Kyrie Irving. Because when Steve Nash doesn't know that one of his two best players is missing a game, and it's like, and then he got interviewed about it, like the media was asking him. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know why he's not playing. That is not a good look, Kyrie. And you know that Steve Nash is like a player's coach. Like this is who he wants to be, but you can't put a, you can't put good people in tough situations because then they'll react in a way that you may not anticipate. So the Attention, Kyrie. Tell your coach that you're not playing. I think that's fair. <laughs> we have a an awesome podcast. We're going to talk about Kansas City and their chances to easily repeat as Super Bowl champions. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And maybe there's some confluence that'll work for both of those folks. And then we're <laughs> going to talk about the best player to never win the Heisman Trophy. So without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready and you are, Shaka. All right, Mr. Cummings, our first thesis looks at postseason favorites in the NFL. The thesis reads, Kansas City will 
easily repeat as NFL champs this postseason. You hear that, and what grade do you think? Obviously, the key word is easily. And because of that word, I think think that I'm gonna make this a D because I think that they'll have some challenge. Mr. Ainsworth, as you analyze that thesis statement, what are you thinking? What's funny, because I think this is very apropos of the two of us, I hear that and think C, because also because the word easily, and I don't think we're gonna approach it too similar in a second, but I also hear the word easily and go, ooh, that, that's a C. All right, Mr. Cummings. So you gave this a D. Not that I was super high on it, but you were a little lower than myself. <laughs> so talk to me. We both got hung up on the word easily. What was the problem? Yeah, I mean, it's that word, right? That word is key because everyone easily becomes an opinion metric. Everyone's going to have a different thought as to what easily means to them. And so for me, I think easily. Easily to me means you're going to go out, you're going to win these playoff games by three touchdowns. No one's going to come close to beating you. And I just don't see that happening, right? I do believe, I'm starting here because I want everyone to hear this. I do believe that Kansas City will repeat as Super Bowl champion. And I actually think that unless something un, like something that's unpredictable happens in the NFC, that they're going to actually easily win the Super Bowl. I actually think they'll win the Super Like if they play Green Bay, Green Bay is not a good matchup for Kansas City. I should no. say that, I should say it the other way. Kansas City is not a good matchup for Green Bay. Green Bay can't stop Kansas City's passing game. They struggle in terms of their back end in their defensive secondary. Kansas City will exploit that. And so I just think that's going to be a tough game for them. Now, Kansas City in the AFC, though, I think will get some challenges. I actually think that there are three teams that are in this playoff. And I actually think there were four, but one of them lost yesterday. Indianapolis lost yesterday to Buffalo. Buffalo is a team that could give Kansas City some trouble because of the way they play. Buffalo wants to run the ball, play decent defense. And they have a quarterback in Josh Allen who facilitates that run game and can keep Mahomes on the sideline. Tennessee. 2,000-yard rusher, right? They can keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And then I look at Baltimore and their running game, Lamar Jackson being the catalyst to that. They can keep Mahomes on the sideline. And so I think that if they run into those teams, those games won't be easy, even though I would pick Kansas City to win them. Now, all of this comes down to matchup, right? If Kansas City is able to avoid some of those teams in terms of matchups, then the, the road might look a little easier because some of these teams just don't match up. Pittsburgh does not match up well, in my opinion, with Kansas City. Like, Pittsburgh would have some trouble, right? Cleveland, in my opinion, doesn't match up well. Their offense is decent, but I do think that their defense would struggle trying to slow Kansas City down. So the matchups are going to matter. That being said, I think that Kansas City is going to see one of these teams and it's not going to be an easy game for them, even though I picked them to win. And the reality too, is that the Super Bowl could be difficult for Kansas City as well. If they see the Rams, if they see the LA Rams, Kansas City, that's not going to be an easy Super Bowl for them. The Rams defense is really good. Now, all those guys have to be healthy because Aaron Donald went down yesterday, but that would be a tough matchup for them. So that's why I went D because I genuinely believe that Kansas City is going to run into a tough matchup in the AFC. Now, Mr. Ainsworth, you went C, so you got your A reasons, F reasons. I love that reasoning, by the way. Um, (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about your C. Well, so because you outlined a lot of the reasons that it probably won't happen i think it's also worth pointing out you haven't seen a lot of teams run through the entire playoff bracket with a bunch of 21 point wins but i gave it a c and not a d or an f because i also could very easily see how this team would be able to do that (laughs) like i guess part of me feels like there was this odd like feeling of sleepwalking throughout the regular season and they lost two games right like there's something (laughs) about this team and the way they can score in bunches it feels like when a basketball team goes on a run right except football is not a game of runs so it doesn't make much sense (laughs) that it happens in football but it it's how it goes and we all you know we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson in a moment a different thesis but we remember the Texans game a year ago where they were down by 20 and then later won by 20 I mean that, that they have the potential and that was just in last year's playoffs like that they have the potential to explode 
for a lot of points. And so I guess I, I gave it a C because I don't want to write that out because if I'm trying to think of teams I've seen in my lifetime that could do that, it's like the almost undefeated Pats, but they lost to your New York Giants. Yes, they did. Kiss right, but like, without E-L-I. But, right, but like if you're thinking about offenses that realistically could just hang 40-plus in every playoff game, it's like that offense with Randy Moss, it's like this offense right now. Like there aren't a whole lot of offenses you could see doing that, right? Incidentally, you know one that would have been was Minnesota a few years back when they had Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Randall Cunningham was slinging it, and they 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 ended up losing in the NFC Championship game. They ran into a bad matchup in an Atlanta Falcons team that was able to run the ball and play just enough defense, and right. they were able to control the clock. And so that's Kansas City could run into something like that. I will say this, though. You're 100% right. Kansas City is a team that can score as much as they want, really, right? I mean, they feel like a team right. that in an NFL playoff game could drop 50. And in an NFL playoff game, dropping They did 50, it a year ago. <laughs> I mean, like, this is not something that happens a ton in history. Like, you just go back and look. And, yeah, yeah. you're right. They've done it. Like, like they actually have <laughs> they have that lived experience of saying, hey, yeah, it doesn't happen a lot, but we did it. So we know that it can right. happen, right? They they just look so good. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, they have so many weapons. And guys, we're not even getting to the periphery wide receiver weapons, right? Like we're not talking Sammy Watkins and stuff. And those are the guys who show up in these playoff games, right? Because you can you can high low cheetah with a double team and you can bracket Kelsey with a double team, but you can't do any other double teams outside of those. Like so now Sammy Watkins. Yeah, you're one-on-one with these dudes who also run a 4-3. <laughs> so when they run the nine route, you're in trouble, right? When you and, pulled you pulled all your guys out of the box for all that running game. Like, there's all kinds of problems. And now they handed off to Le'Veon Bell, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, they're t- I mean, they're just so good. And obviously, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have a beat on how to make this offense function, right? And, oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes... Is such a good athlete. He was drafted as a baseball player as well. Like people, like they forget, or his dad was a professional baseball player. People forget he can take off. You do everything yeah. right, and it's still wrong because he'll take off or he'll and throw he it looks, left-handed or something. He looks awkward when he runs, but like he had that bumbling, stumbling run in that fifty-one point playoff game a year ago against Houston, right? Like he he really does look awkward, but it's not because he's moving slowly. So as I look at the teams that like could give them trouble, I agree that in the AFC you can run into a couple of these run dominant teams. Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills look great yesterday recording a sunday looked great yesterday they also look great at points throughout the season but as i look at like the entirety of their like kansas city won that game 26 17 earlier this year that's not easy but again i feel like there were points throughout the year that it looked like kansas city was sleepwalking so like if (laughs) if, you know like like is that a game that's 26 17 because buffalo is that good or is that game where it felt like they were sleepwalking like i i look at the playoff picture and see baltimore and like they've played a lot better in the second half of the season than they did in the first half and so like is that a team on the rise i think you and you, i think you bring a good point about tennessee cuz i don't know that i would pick tennessee to win the super bowl by any stretch they got great odds no, if you want to no go bet no one will right no one right, will right if you want to go bet in vegas right now i think it's plus 3000 so i like, got you can make some money back on it my deal is more that they're going to win a game that you don't think they're supposed to win, right? And so if that's a playoff game, that's a big deal, right? Because the way <laughs> they play rules out or takes away so much of what these pass-happy teams do. It also just, limits mistakes. Yeah, completely. And I think that and when I look at it, th- those, tr- those troubles in the AFC are interesting I don't know that I see, again, you pointed out the LA Rams, if they got there, but that's, they're going to play really well to get there, and they have Aaron Donald's down, and Goff is playing with a bum thumb right now, right? And I think so, Cooper Cup's going to be out too. So they got lots of problems moving forward as far as health goes, and that's a key part of the playoffs. 
you know, Green Bay is the favorite to win that by a lot, win the NFC by a lot. And then you have New Orleans with Drew Brees. Uh, again, that could just end up being a shootout, but I would favor Kansas City in most shootouts. And then you got your boy Tampa Bay. So I, like, <laughs> I just, I feel like they are going to win the Super Bowl. And when I hear the word easy, I'm like you, and that's 20-point wins, you know, 17-point wins. And I guess I just am not ready to say that they won't do it because, sure enough, they're going to prove me wrong because Pat Mahomes proves everyone wrong. But I, I just don't know how often that can happen. So I'm looking at the playoffs, and I'm trying to kind of picture winners. Now, that we record on a Sunday, so we know some of the winners from yesterday. We saw Buffalo in a very tightly contested game take out Indianapolis at home. We saw the Rams and what their defense was able to do. Russ could not cook yesterday. <laughs> they, they, they locked him up. We also saw Tampa take care of the Washington football team. Now, that Washington football team, obviously, we can spend a second talking about them. The season that they were able to put together, all the things that they were able to overcome. And then, oh, by the way, Taylor Heineke yesterday. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Washington, definitely, and I'm a Giants fan. They deserve some respect, for sure. Completely. I think, so you have the Heineke story of their playoff game yesterday and how they almost won, right? Da, da, da. You also have Alex Smith playing, like, less than two years after he literally almost died, right? Like, that's that's its own story. Like, one You've of got- the best case scenarios was him losing his leg right i mean he was the it was fun to see people tweeting about alex smith loses to alex smith who beats alex smith out for the comeback player of the award like he was the only <laughs> option right and then oh their coach ron rivera spent his 2020 beating cancer like <laughs> there's no he, he started off 2020 getting fired in the middle of it he got cancer and by the end of it he's winning the division like there's just so many good stories with the washington football and hey, team let's talk about a little bit of the craziness that is washington as well all of the harassment, sexual harassment stuff that they've had to deal with in their front office, the craziness around the fact that they still have that ridiculously racist name that now that they've gotten rid of and any sort of blowback that they got from fans. And oh, by the way, they had to go play that playoff game with folks who make their home base in and around Washington, D.C. They had to go right. play that playoff game in D.C. That's a home game for them because they won their division. So... Like, when you start thinking about all these pieces, man, oh my gosh, like, everything that Washington was able to do this year, they were up against it and still were able to have a tremendous amount of success. Washington and all that they were able to overcome, I mean, that's that's incredible. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs, Mr. Ainsworth. I'm just, I'm curious as to predictions that you have. Now, I talked about a couple of teams that I think could give Kansas City trouble, but they play each other, right? Because Tennessee is going to play right. against Baltimore. So one of those teams is going to get knocked out. But what that means is that one of those teams is going to advance. And we know Buffalo's already advancing. If you were to kind of say, okay, I, I'm picking this team to come out of the NFC, and I think that this team might be playing against Kansas City in the AFC title game, I'm curious as to what your predictions are. So, I mean, I don't mean to always follow the favorites i do like what green bay and aaron Rodgers are doing uh i could see them running into new orleans having a fun conference championship game i i guess i look at you know you're a big tampa bay guy there were issues with them last night that i not to like besmirch washington's defense washington actually has a really good front seven and so i'm sure that ga- that gives tom fitz because front good front sevens always give tom fitz right if, if you can that's the story on him his whole career is if you can get after him and make him get rid of the ball you have a better shot and so i guess i look at that as a weakness of theirs and i don't know i think that that leads me to thinking it's going to come down to new orleans or screen bay and maybe i'm a silly aaron Rodgers fan because he almost <laughs> went to occidental right i think i'm going to ride with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on that side of the bracket. So for the NFC, I'm going with Tampa. And now... Of course you are. I Listen, I'm going to stick with my prediction, but let me just say, I think that there's some logic to it in that the team that's going to give 
Tampa the most trouble, in my opinion, is New Orleans. Tampa's path would have them playing New Orleans in the NFC title game, essentially, right? Because it's it's very likely that Tampa ends up playing Green Bay next week, right? I mean, that's a definitive possibility. Um, actually, right. I, I don't know who ends up, whether it's the Rams or, or Tampa, right? The sixth seed is going to end up playing... Right. And so maybe if they get that third crack at New Orleans, it feels like it's going to be very difficult for New Orleans to beat Tampa three times. It's hard to do in the NFL to beat the same team three times. And I do think that eventually Tampa and Tom Brady runs into New Orleans and gets that third crack at him. And if anyone is going to be able to handle Green Bay in Lambeau and like they're going to walk in and just not be phased by that, it's going to be Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not going to be phased by any of that. So I just think that. They are playing well. They have progressed as we get to the end of the year. They're fairly healthy. So, I mean, they have some issues on their offensive line. But for the most part, they're healthy. I just like Tampa. I like Tom Brady. I'm going to ride with him until you prove me wrong. Now, in the AFC, I'm going to do the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. When you got 10, you got a chance. Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is going to be very difficult for someone to tell me not to ride with. I think that the Super Bowl is going to be Kansas City versus Tampa. And I think that Kansas City... Even though that Super Bowl is in Tampa, by the way, so understand there's a lot of history that goes into that. They'd be the first team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. I believe that they're going to do that. So they're going to have a home game against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. And I'm still picking Kansas City. And I actually think Kansas City will win that game by like three touchdowns. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, you know I love thesis statements that are close to your heart. (laughs) And (laughs) this one is going to be close to your heart. The thesis statement reads, The Jacksonville Jaguars should trade the number one pick in the draft in a package to acquire Deshaun Watson. What is your grade, P? (laughs) Oh, well, should they? Like, should Jacksonville throw the trade out there? I'm going to say absolutely. I'll give that, like, a minus because it might depend on what they have to throw in, including the package. But I, I'm a big Deshaun Watson guy. I would absolutely say I need a trade for him. What do you think? Okay. This is A and F reasons, so I'm going to go C. Let me just say, though, just because there are F reasons does not mean I'm disrespecting Deshaun Watson. <laughs> and let me, I'm not saying that for Twitter. I'm saying that for you, Parker. I don't want you coming to my house. Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, the only reason why I'm on this podcast this week is to hear your opinion on this. The Jacksonville Jaguars should trade the number one pick in the draft in a package to acquire Deshaun Watson. You gave that an A-. Houston fans are going to be mad about the minus, but I am curious <laughs> as much as anyone's thoughts. I'm curious as to your thoughts about the whole Deshaun Watson situation. Well, so if you're tuning in on Monday morning, this is probably old news at this point, but it just broke officially that he is, the reports of him being, per Chris Morton, I should say, the reports about Deshaun Watson's unhappiness to the Houston Texans are accurate and sources close QB says he is still angry about the team's insensitivity to social justice including hiring practices after the franchise failed to interview Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy this past week it's worth noting that of the six teams with head, head coaching vacancies they are the only team that did not have an in for <laughs> literally an everyone interview. interviewed Bieniemy except them including right. the it's, Jets by the way go look at their social justice stuff it's not like he turned down the interview. It's that they didn't offer him one. <laughs> Sources say Watson could play hardball with the Texans about a trade. His new $156 million contract includes a no-trade clause, but informed speculation from a source is that he would consider the Miami Dolphins, in which Tua Tagovailoa, an additional conversation goes to Houston. That's the Mort report. There were other reports earlier this week talking about Jacksonville because of the number one pick. And again, both of these are insinuating that you either get last year Tua Tagovailoa or this year number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. You get some young quarterback back. And so I give this an A- minus because unless you have to throw out the whole kitchen sink and then have nothing around Deshaun, he is obviously a quarterback you want in your franchise. He's just 25 years old. He was 70% completions last year for 4,800 yards and 8 9 yards per attempt he had 33 touchdowns at just seven interceptions and again that is the down year right like, <laughs> like that is like he had a great year in a down houston texans year i i guess my thought would be that we saw him without a whole lot of weapons around him this year and so if you're gonna have to give away all your weapons to pull him in are you going to be any better than four and twelve because they were not in a particularly competitive division it's not a bad division right the colts and texans the colts texans and uh, tennessee titans right that, that's not an awful division two it had two playoff teams this year he had seven so that helps a lot i guess i just look at them and think man if you have to give everything away is it worth it to go four and twelve as opposed to keeping those things Things and getting a top pick this year if you're Jacksonville or holding on to two if you're Miami. But man, how can we talk about Houston sports in 2020? We open up 2020, <laughs> open up 2020 with the Astros and that whole thing. We then had the small, first of all, before the basketball season, you had Daryl Morey talking about China. You then had small ball and like all in on small ball. And then the Houston Rockets blow up. You had the Astros get the ALCS with a bunch of injuries and don't win the ALCS, right? So like, whatever. But then you all, you have the Texans this year, awful, awful. And now you've got him demanding a trade, just like Westbrook did with the Rockets and just like Harden has with Rockets. I guess Westbrook's being the one that's gone. Houston sports have had a rough rough <laughs> last was it 15 months listen right? parker the problem is that you just don't watch women's soccer the houston dash won the wusa championship all you have to do is watch <laughs> soccer so <laughs> they they did and i have to say that was like right in the middle of like when all sports were happening at once if you remember right like it was like <laughs> yeah it was. mls was having the same time mlb was having the same time the nba nfl it was all happening all at once so that was a lot to pay attention to especially while the rest of the city sports teams are burning down so anyway <laughs> that's that's a lot of ways to say that every team should except for like if you have pat mahomes like like, legitimately, if you have Pat Mahomes you're probably or Lamar Jackson, you're probably okay. But even if you're like New Orleans or Tampa and you've got an old guy in their 40s, you should be looking at, do we need to make this move, right? Like, to me, it's like legitimately all but those two teams in Baltimore and Kansas City should be looking like, do we need to replace our quarterback with Deshaun Watson? Even Aaron Rodgers is an MVP this year, right? But they 
clearly thought they needed to draft a quarterback a year ago. Like they clearly understand this idea of like the future is near. And so, I guess uh, I'm long winded. I gotta let you talk some Shaka, but I just every team should want Deshaun. I just don't know what trade I would work out best. No worries, you definitely get all the time on this particular uh, thesis statement. That's not a problem. I will say that for me, I look at this thesis statement. I want to look at the Jags. I want to look at Houston in particular. And I want to talk the A reasons first. The A reasons is Deshaun Watson, who's led the NFL in passing yards this season with basically me and you, Parker, as his wide receivers. Like (laughs) they, they, (laughs) They had a dude and the dude is now gone, right? And so the fact that he was able to put together a season like this, incredible, right? If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, That deal is actually going to look quite friendly over the course of the four years because quarterback salaries just continue to escalate. And oh, by the way, Dak's coming up. So Dak is going to make that salary jump even further. So the Deshaun Watson deal, four years, $160 million, right? That deal is going to look crazy now. But at the end of that deal in four years, it's going to actually be pretty friendly for your team. And if you start thinking about if this deal can work houston could get a haul right here's the here's the trade parker that i think houston should look at you should ask for the number one pick in the draft jacksonville has two second round picks ask for both of those and ask for james robinson who was their all everything rookie running back this year who was undrafted which means that his salary is going to be very friendly for houston right, right. who has to take a 21.6 million dollar cap hit if they trade deshaun right and so ask for that pack and you could maybe even ask for more than that but i that's something that i think would be intriguing to houston now if you're jacksonville you get deshaun watson you get the fairly cap friendly deal And even if you think the deal isn't that cap-friendly in the beginning, that's fine. Jacksonville is anticipated to have over $75 million in cap space. You can pay your quarterback big and still have big money to sign free agents because that Jacksonville roster is depleted of talent beside James Robinson, right? So if you trade him away, now you feel like, well, what do we have? Well, Jacksonville would still have a first-round draft pick this year because they have a first-round draft pick. I can't remember who's, which deal it was, whether it was the Rams. I think it was the Rams and the Jalen Ramsey deal. So they have the Rams first round pick. And listen, Houston could ask for that too. Whatever. They have two first round picks or two second round picks. So any combination, the Rams will, or I should say the Jaguars will still have a high pick. They have a bunch of money and you'll be getting Deshaun Watson. Now the questions like the F questions for me are that both teams need head coaches and at one point both teams needed gms as well houston went ahead and got theirs and so the real question is do you want to make a deal of this magnitude and not know who your head coach is it almost feels like if you're going to do it for houston's sake you want to go ahead and do it right because then the head coach comes in knowing what the deal is that you're going to be drafting trevor lawrence um if you're jacksonville you don't have a head coach you don't have a gm do do you limit your pool based on making this type of a deal like are are there coaching candidates who you would want that would say i only want to do this deal if we're going to get trevor lawrence at one so you have to consider that the the other piece as well and i know parker that this might hit you wrong right because you're a houston fan and you've seen deshaun watson trevor lawrence could be better than that dude and you have to think am i willing to give up trevor lawrence who i think might be better than deshaun watson right now there's pieces that come along with trevor lawrence he's never played in the nfl he had covid this year how's he gonna come back from that there's pieces but he looks like as transcendent a 
potential talent coming into the league as we've seen like basically ever it's a ceiling versus floor argument right like i think you're right that the ceiling of trevor lawrence because he's this unknown is certainly higher right he had tremendous college career but you know what you're getting with deshaun so the floor i think would be higher because you just you know what you're getting when and you pull we forget deshaun that deshaun watson is young man like he's still got a ceiling too he's still gonna get better he's only 25 yeah i look at the jacksonville deal and i wonder if i'm them like, I feel like they're going to need to use those picks if they don't do this deal to put guys around Trevor Lawrence as well. Because I look at their roster, like you're saying, it's like James Robinson and then like DJ Chark and... Who's not a bad receiver, by the way. I don't want to diss DJ No, Chark. no. But like, that's what I'm saying, though. Is like after DJ Chark, we're starting to look at like, who else who led them in catches? We had James, <laughs> O'Shaughnessy, James O'Shaughnessy, right? He had He's a tight end. Ke- Keelan Cole had... A bunch of targets, anyway. So anyway, like I look at this and like it's really, really thin all of a sudden, right? And so I look at them and say, like, man, are you going to be successful with a quarterback and giving up all those picks, or are you going to be successful with the you know using the pick on a quarterback and then using all those picks to put young dudes around him? I I don't know if which one works out better for them, but it's like you're saying they do have the money for it, and the thirty five million dollar years on his deal don't hit till twenty twenty two. So even if you're a team that doesn't have the money on it currently, you got a couple years to figure out your books and get ready for it. Because like you're saying, the truth is by twenty twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, this deal is not going to be astronomical for a quarterback. No, and again, it, I I I really do think that the big piece for both teams is the coach situation. Like to me, that's really going to be what ends up kind of deciding it for these two teams I, you there are head coaching candidates i would imagine that would say give me deshaun watson because i've seen that and i know what that can be and that could be super bowl like i can win the super bowl with that right right jacksonville is rumored to basically be dancing with urban meyer i'm curious as to what urban would say like would urban rather have deshaun watson or trevor lawrence and Let's say that Urban's on the fence. What if you went to him and said, hey, we will get, we will do the deal you want. If you want us to go get Deshaun, we'll, we'll trade the number one pick to go make that happen. If you want Trevor Lawrence, we won't, like, maybe there's that piece that actually cinches for them the candidate that they want in terms of the head coach. Now, there's, there's some pieces with Urban Meyer because he may want player <laughs> control, right? And like, right. I'm not sure I want to give that to a college guy. But that being said, if that's your guy, that's the one you want, cinch it with this right you could cinch that with this deal and player control and a quarterback coach relationship are two different things too right like you have to have the quarterback coach relationship to be successful it's very clear in the nfl but player control is like he may not you may be able to have the relationship it doesn't mean you get to pick every single wide receiver tight end etc right and that that is a important difference i i want to throw one team to you and then i want to jump to the miami deal that mordenson's talking about okay awesome so we talked a lot about the number one pick and how that package could fold together you're a new yorker number two picks in new york yeah absolutely yes we should do this so what package would you have to put together to do it you have to be the number one, number two pick right you have to include the pick because then houston get justin fields or whoever right and and we got to throw sam darno in there because you're going to need the young quarterback so i'm imagining that that's got to be a part of it now if they don't want darno and they just want the two pick because they want to go get a quarterback then it just becomes the collection of draft picks and if you're the jets just figure out what that collection of draft picks are. Basically, I would, as the Jets, go to Houston and say, you tell me what the deal is that we could put together for us to get Deshaun Watson, and we'll start from there. Because Deshaun Watson is that level of talent. So it might be that they want three first-run draft picks over the next four years or something to that effect. Okay, let's talk about it. Let's craft the deal. I think that with the Jets, 
the deal becomes tougher if they don't want Darno. But if they want Darno, he's a part of the package along with the number two pick, which, oh, by the way, that could become Panay Sewell. That could right. become the Chase kid from LSU. That could become Devontae Smith from Alabama. That could become Micah Parsons out of Penn State. It could become a lot of things, right? So it could be that Houston has targeted maybe some other people, and they like Darno, right? And they have a GM, right? Houston got a player personnel guy from New, uh, New England. This is all a part of the deal, by the way. Like, Watson went to Houston and said, hey, these are some folks I want you to look at for GM. These are some folks I want you to look at for coaching. Houston had the conversation with them and they didn't do anything that he asked for so i understand why deshaun watson's upset so now all that being said like if they want if they like darno i think the deal's easier for the jets if they don't like darno it's more difficult because now it becomes a package of draft picks and maybe the jets do balk at some point because maybe the jets just say hey listen with the package of picks that you want to give up we'll just keep darno because we think with these picks we can put enough around him right and that's that's really what the jets have to say to themselves unless they're going to go sign taylor heineke or something right that's interesting that you think it gets more difficult with Darnold not being involved because I think the interesting thing, because if you include Darnold, what do you value him as with the other picks? Because obviously if it's a bunch of picks for Deshaun, that's just semantics and talking picks and futures and whatnot. I, I would have thought it'd become more logistically difficult with Sam included. My, my next question I was going to say is that like Mortenson alludes to this Miami pick. Miami and Houston have worked together in the past uh, because this <laughs> Miami pick is literally Houston's pick that they traded away about you know, not even 18 months ago, right? And so while it would be total hashtag Houston sports to come full circle and Houston <laughs> get back their number three pick in the in the draft after having such a bad year, Tua Tagovailoa is obviously included because you're trying to get a young quarterback. And at the number three pick, you can't guarantee you get a young quarterback, right? Because you have, I guess you could go for the BYU kid, but Fields and Lawrence could potentially both be off the table at that point. Not that anything's wrong with Sewell. Again, I think he's a 15-year, ten at least 10-year pro, but that could be a real problem, right? So you throw on Tua, what other... Two in the third pick, and what else do you think Miami would have to do? That's what I'm saying. It has to come down to, essentially, you say to Houston, what do you want? Like, you have to go to Houston and basically say, you craft a deal and make us the offer. Because what it's going to be is a collection of draft picks, right? Um, I'm imagining maybe Houston says, hey, listen, we like some of those guys you have on defense. And so we you can throw maybe some of them in. I mean, I, I if you're Houston, it feels like you're going to rebuild. So if you're going to rebuild, you want the young Q and picks. So give us Tua, and now we'll talk about the collection of picks. And now that feels like a very similar deal to the Jets, where it's going to be, you know, first-round draft picks over the next few years. I will say that all of this becomes easier if you include the quarterback, in my mind, because for the team that's giving up the quarterback, essentially what you're saying is you're going to get Deshaun Watson back. And you're probably not going to have to give up as many picks because you're giving them the young quarterback. The quarterback yeah. Right? So that's, that's kind of my thought. But what about you? As a Houston fan, would you want – either of those deals or would you just say you know let's let's figure this out with Deshaun or would you say I want the Jacksonville deal so the deal that Jacksonville did on me is I'd rather have a, a top three pick and a quarterback than just the top three pick that is a quarterback and so that's why I look at Miami and New York I think the interesting about, thing about Miami is that they've got players online not, not that I guess they technically do have a roster in Jacksonville and New York but <laughs> I guess I more mean that like they really weren't bad this year right that like they had they had glimpses of looking really good actually uh and so I would say like could you go swap for Tua and the pick and some of those defensive guys right? they had a pretty stout defense could you pull in Kyle Van Noy could you pull in I don't know Xavier Howard could you pull in one of these guys that is another marquee name to kind of you know sharpen up your defense because the defense Houston was not very good and uh, <laughs> so I would look at that or you know they're not going to throw in 
Devontae Parker and Tua, I don't think, but could you talk to him about it? Right? Could, could you mention some other skill guy to pull in along with him? And so that's why I think that Jacksonville and New York are, Jacksonville is not as interesting as New York and Miami, I should say, because you could get a quarterback and a pick in the deal as opposed to just a pick that is a quarterback and then later second round picks like you alluded to. Again, it, it's just all upsetting. I, I also think the interesting thing is that if the Eric Bieniemy thing and the idea of lack of social justice within the Houston Texans organization is an issue for Deshaun. Brian Flores is an outstanding young in his career coach in, in Miami, right? And he's only had the Miami thing for a little while and they they clearly look like their trajectory is strong there. They're heading in the right direction. And so he really could go play for another black head coach and do very well in an AFC East that has Buffalo up north, but like Buffalo had a, a great year this year, but there's no reason that, that couldn't be Miami taking that down next year. Um, and so it, it's very, very achievable if he wanted to go out that way. And I think it'd be interesting to see him, him do it. <laughs> All right, Mr. Cummings, we're going from talking about a handful of good pro players to talking about some historic college players that are lacking a certain <laughs> piece of hardware. The thesis statement reads, Trevor Lawrence is the best player to never win the Heisman. You hear that and you say, I'm going to give that a B. Incidentally, this is turning into a Trevor Lawrence appreciation podcast. Like, <laughs> we, we like this dude. I'm going to give that a B. What do you say, Mr. Ainsworth? I want like a C plus. Anyway, that I'm going to give it a C plus. lower than I thought you would go. I honestly thought you'd be closer to me. All right, Mr. Cummings, you heard this thesis and think that Trevor Lawrence may be, I'm going to interpret your B as, that he may be the best player to never win the Heisman. So talk to us through what your thought process there. You gave it a B, so you're clearly not completely sold. What do you think? No, absolutely. So I want to go through this list of players that I just, I doing this research, you start to find out about guys from all sorts of eras that were incredible players. They did not win a Heisman trophy. There's a dude from the University of Minnesota who, like, in 1960, they won a national championship. And he's a lineman. And it's like, oh, that might... Like, he won a national championship in Minnesota. He might be the best. You know what I mean? So it's like the research was incredible for this. Um, So first, I want to break it down to the players who I think stand out as being some of the best players to not win the Heisman. I'm going to start with defense. Like, if you are real recent, Chase Young is a very good football player and had an incredible college season, didn't win the Heisman. Got to New York, didn't win the Heisman. Manti Teo led Notre Dame to a national championship game. You can say whatever you want to about the whole catfish situation. He could ball, <laughs> right? And he's still in the league. He's still knocking around the league. Yeah. Didn't win a Heisman. If you start thinking historically about defensive players, Dick Buttkiss. When I played high school football, we talked about Dick Buttkiss. Kids wanted to wear number 51. I played in the late 1990s. That's how good Dick Buttkiss was. Crazy name. Didn't win a Heisman. Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders had over 1,400 yards in punt returns in his career. Think about that. Did not win the Heisman, okay? Yeah. Uh, Mean Joe Green. So this one, one of the most impressive and one of the ones that I just, I didn't have a great perspective on Mean Joe Green's collegiate career at Pitt. I knew he went to Pitt. In his time at Pitt, the team went 39-8-1. He had 460 career tackles. 53 sacks and forced 25 fumbles. Dear God, he didn't win the Heisman though, right? So like you start going through the list of players. It's incredible 
that those defensive players, right, never won the Heisman because only one defensive player ever has. Start going through things like offensive linemen. Orlando Pace was the best college offensive lineman I ever saw. He created the term pancake. Like, we talk about pancake blocks now. <laughs> I never heard that term until Orlando Pace because he used to flat back people, and Ohio State had no stat for an offensive lineman, but they wanted to tell you how great this guy was. So they started tracking pancake blocks. How many times does he just flat back the defender? Orlando Pace, best offensive lineman I saw, didn't win the Heisman. And then you start thinking about, like, the Heisman. Heisman position. Peyton Manning did not win a Heisman. We talked about that on the last podcast, right? Michael Vick did not win a Heisman. Randy Moss did not win a Heisman. We saw these guys. These guys are in our lifetime. They were electric in terms of what they could do. Guys who had incredible single seasons. I know you're going to talk about Vince Young, so I'm just going to quickly gloss over him. <laughs> Adrian Peterson ran for over 2,000 yards and like 30 touchdowns his junior year. Didn't win a Heisman. Jim McMahon led BYU to a national championship. Like, he broke, I believe it was 39 different passing records in that national championship season. Did not win a Heisman. And, Mr. Ainsworth, when you start thinking about all-time great football players, both collegiately and in the NFL, his three names of guys who did not win a Heisman trophy. John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Brown. <laughs> So, yeah, to be. I got I got to think about it a little bit. Um now Mr. Ainsworth, I go through that. Now you went lower. So now talk to lower. talk to me about why you went lower. So, first of all, I think anyone listening to this podcast needs to know that while we both played football in college, neither one of us was a I guess you played some fullback and might have gotten the ball a little bit more, but neither neither one of us was big time like throwing ball a lot, catching the ball a lot kind of guys, right? I was a lineman. And so when I hear the idea talk about the Heisman and like the greatest college football players ever, my initial thought goes to you're not even handing out to like the best player that year every year because it's such a quarterback <laughs> dominate award right the big deal in Devonte smith winning was he was the first receiver in like his own lifetime right because he's 21 years old <laughs> like no one's won no receivers <laughs> won in his life and so you think about a handful of running backs in recent memory and mostly quarterbacks i maintain firmly again catfishing scandal aside great espn documentary on it if you're too young to remember the story that is a great espn documentary <laughs> um but manti teo not winning the heisman kind of solidified this thought in my head back in 2012 13 i think that was and basically it was like oh this is a quarterback award like Johnny Manziel was a fun quarterback and da 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 but anyone who watched that season and gave that award to Johnny Manziel who played in like the Peach Bowl versus Manti Teo who was the leader and face of a team playing a national championship game just be- it was just because he's a linebacker right there's no other argument for it that year and that's fine let's just call the award what it is it's the best quarterback most of the time year in year out <laughs> and the funny thing is is the first guy see I you texted me this thesis midweek and I felt somewhat set up because I thought you're going to do this to set me up to talk about Vince Young in 05 who was the time that's the time I thought the quarterback should have won the award. And you go back to that now being vacated, and we could talk about how I have a problem with asterisks and that, because like we all know who won that year. Like I don't know why it's vacated and gone. But Vince Young doesn't win the Heisman Trophy, and Richie Bush does. And they hand the award out before the National Championship game. And I'm pretty sure if you hand it out even during the National Championship game, <laughs> no one would have handed out the award to the same guy, right? Uh, Vince Young played, often called, not just by me. I know, I know I call it this, but the greatest college football game ever played, and it was clearly dominated by one guy. And so we could argue about if you've got other games you want to talk about, but like I'm not the only one that calls it that. Darren Ravel tweeted out about the anniversary of that game the other day, right? That's that's not just me. He mentioned Peyton Manning last week. Peyton Manning obviously had a great college career as well with 11,000 yards. <laughs> we mentioned Adrian Peterson, who was a runner-up for the trophy as a freshman and did not win it. So Adrian Peterson being, you know, first-team All-American as a freshman and then obviously as a sophomore, junior as well. Some of the lesser names that were great college backs and good pros would be like a Darren McFadden. Like, like how did Darren McFadden... Run DMC, or, man. Like, the college career, that like the Wildcat offense Arkansas was running around him was entirely specified to him being 
a better athlete than dudes on the field playing on the field with some of the best athletes in the SEC. Like, and like, the, everyone copied it because of him. Like, it went to the NFL level. Right. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, obviously breaking some Barry Sanders-type records along along the way in his college career. Stanford did not go undefeated his senior year, and so they gave it to, to Henry at Alabama. But, like, how can you not give it to, to Christian McCaffrey that year, right? Ezekiel Elliott, if you're going to talk about, like, postseason performance in 2015 when he had a Big Ten championship semifinal game and into the late final game, like, that's as good a three, three-game stretch you could have as a oh, running back. Absolutely. And there is a strong argument here, and we just talked about this guy, that Trevor Lawrence might not even be the best Clemson quarterback to not win the award. If you look statistically <laughs> at what Deshaun Watson was able to do, including the championship game over Alabama to end it. Obviously, Lawrence had the tremendous first year of his career and won the championship and so on, and has he came in second, and then this year they lost to Ohio State. But if you look at statistics between the two, they're actually a lot more comparable than you think. Deshaun Watson, you could almost argue, argue is more favorable in 2016, the year he wins it all. But but anyway, I, I digress there. It would be interesting to have the argument about just having Deshaun versus Trevor and that's looking at one position at one school I think that when you have that much like discrepancy and like ooh, is he really the best all of a sudden it has to be at, at best to see if you look across the entire landscape of all the colleges and all the years and so on Trevor Lawrence that's not to not Trevor Lawrence right Trevor Lawrence is a tremendous college football player and projects to be you know quarterbacks we can miss this on but he may end up being a very very good pro player too um uh, yeah no I as a New York Jets fan I believe that he's gonna be a very good football player because now he's not gonna play for us um, so, <laughs> um, so, Mr. Ainsworth, here's what I did. Now, I don't know if you did this, but I, I went ahead and I put together my list of the three best college football players to never win the Heisman Trophy. Now, this is based on guys who I saw play. So, right. Dick Buckus is not on this list, even though maybe he should be. Other pe- Listen, if you don't like my list, do your own list. That's that's the reality, right? But um, this is this is my three, Mr. Ainsworth. And I, so, I'm just curious as to how you feel about it. Number three, Peyton Man. I honestly thought that Peyton... I just to give you the story, Mr. Ainsworth, I so believed that Peyton Manning was going to win the Heisman Trophy in 97, 98, that my mom asked me to go shopping with her, and I knew we'd be out during the Heisman ceremony. And I was like, sure, why am I going to stay home and watch that? Like, I know I know what's going to happen there. <laughs> and so we are in, like, a Macy's or a Sears or something, and you know they have the television, right? And so the televisions will play whatever. So the televisions were set to the Heisman ceremony. And I that's how I saw Charles Woodson win the Heisman Trophy. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I should have been home for this. Like, I could have called my boys. And it's like, so he was the best pro style quarterback that I saw up until that point. Like, Peyton Manning was incredible. But what Peyton Manning didn't do that Trevor Lawrence did, he didn't win a national championship, right? And the thing that people knocked Peyton Manning for as well was Tennessee, Florida, huge rivalry. He never beat Florida. So, when you looked at his career, you said, man, yes, Peyton Manning was incredible, and yes, he elevated the Tennessee program, but he still didn't get the Tennessee program to where it needed to be, and I do think that people can look back in hindsight and say the fact that Tennessee won the national championship the next year, where Manning is the number one pick in the draft, they have a whole new quarterback situation, they won a national championship without him the next year, so you can look at all that and maybe that dings him a little bit. So Peyton Manning is my number three. My number two best player to never win the Heisman is Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence did win a national championship as a freshman beating an Alabama team that I don't think anyone thought that he right. would just be able to beat. They were the defending national champs, right? right? Big time so, upset. Like big, big time absolutely. upset. Absolutely. So like, I don't want to go knocking Trevor Lawrence. And oh, by the way, 
Both you and I picked Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman this year. We thought that he would win it over Devontae Smith. Well, and to be to be fair, I said I think I would vote for Devontae, but I just think that if this is a quarterback award, he's clearly got that. No, absolutely. And so I don't want to get – Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick in the draft. I think that he's incredible. My number one, though, Mr. Ainsworth, is Tommy Frazier. And <laughs> – <laughs> if you don't know Tommy Frazier, he was the quarterback at the University of Nebraska when Nebraska was dominating football in the 90s. And they had multiple quarterbacks because Scott Frost, who's the current head coach, was also one of these dominant quarterbacks. Um, Eric Crouch was a dominant quarterback there as well, but Eric Crouch won the Heisman, right? Tommy Frazier was a quarterback at Nebraska. He won back-to-back national championship while at Nebraska. And he was the best option quarterback I ever saw. So, like, we were talking about video games before, and you were talking about, like, Pat White right? Tommy Frazier was a video game in real life. People couldn't stop him running the option and they couldn't stop Nebraska because he was the dude who was in charge of making sure that that offense moved. And I still, to this day, believe that Tommy Frazier, Nebraska teams are the best college football teams I ever saw. Like, you could put them up against anybody. They were so efficient at what they did, and the defenses were so good. This was black shirt, Nebraska. De- like, this was the heyday, Tom Osborne coaching them. That's who this Tommy Frazier cat is. And so for those of you guys who aren't historians of college football, you don't know much about Tommy Frazier, go look him up. Um, incidentally, you'll see him running over a Florida team that Peyton Manning couldn't beat in a national championship game. Like, running them over, blowing them the heck out. Tommy Frazier, best quarterback, best player to never win the Heisman, in my opinion. Now, Mr. Ainsworth, I'm curious. Like, if if Lawrence is a C-plus for you, who would be, like, the guy who jumps out at you? Yeah, well, and I think it's interesting, you had a, you know, wins and losses with Frazier. I had to look it up because I heard the stat the other day and had to go check because I forgot the exact number, but... They went forty-five and four while he was a starter at Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so for across, that's pretty pretty strong. I don't know if I had it quickly ranked off the top of my head one, two, three, four, five. Obviously, I'm going to be partial events because I felt like, as, <laughs> but but like honestly, if you go back and look at write-ups throughout the year, the Reggie Bush Heisman felt like a surefire thing from like week one, whereas Vince was obviously like always going to be number two, and Texas was always going to be number two, and that like was the way it was written throughout the entire year, whereas like Vince's A&M game was tremendous but you had Reggie Bush had the big Fresno State game it's like well who's better the Fresno State or, <laughs> right like but that really helped out right and so obviously I go back and look at Vince I maintain Adrian Peterson should have never gone to college and gone straight to the pros if there'd ever been a football player in my lifetime that I watched do that it would have been Adrian Peterson I don't know how he got away without winning one I guess he only played the three seasons and got hurt in the third but Adrian Peterson was tremendous a guy I didn't mention earlier but we did talk about Stanford I guess you know if, even if it is a quarterback award Andrew Luck. Um, Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Luck, while he was at Stanford, again, in three years, threw for almost 10,000 yards, 67% completion percentage, 82 touchdowns to just 22 picks. And, like, really, in a pro style offense, too. Like, a really, really, really strong candidate. And I know, you know, he had a short pro career, so people are going to forget about him maybe in the future, but like, tremendous. You mentioned Michael Vick. You know, I could cite Michael Vick as, you know, he and Ricky Williams, kind of the guys that got me into football as a kid. Just so much fun to watch those guys play. Ricky obviously won, so he doesn't make this list. I, I had to include Darren McFadden because I loved that Wildcat stuff he was doing. And so I'd probably have those guys across the top somehow, probably having Vince won because I feel a little robbed there. But that's close to home. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Now, I ended by asking Parker who should be that player who is the best to never win the Heisman. Of course, he went with Vince Young. Homer, Homer, Homer. <laughs> like, literally, no one's surprised by that. Okay, Parker, go ahead and give everyone your socials so that way they can call you a Homer as well. 
<laughs> well, it's worth noting, too, that Vince Young was a great football player at what is now a basketball school in the University of Texas. Um, <laughs> so no, you can find me on Twitter to talk about that basketball school or the hashtag Houston Sports year that's been at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. That's at Painsworth 512 on Twitter and Instagram. I also use the show's Twitter at FN Sports 2 F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S, the number two, all one word. All use dash P-A, Shackle use dash C-C to talk. Whatever you want to talk about. Pro football, college football, pro basketball, college basketball, women's soccer, whatever you want to, whatever you want to go about. Like, that's, that's the one bright spot in Houston, so let's talk a lot about women's soccer. Uh, Shaka, we also have an Instagram. Yes, we do. We have an Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on my social media at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. Just know that the greatest quarterback in the history of the University of Kentucky, Tim Couch, did win his Heisman Trophy. No national, <laughs> no national championship, though. Please, friends, thank you guys for listening. Go out, like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.